Well, I'm sure you would uh, agree with me that one of the most uh, amazing qualities about Bayview is the incredible talent that we have amongst us. So it is with special excitement that I'm pleased to introduce today one of the talented members of this congregation. I'm really excited and pleased to introduce Nate as he preaches here this morning. Nate, as you know, is a talented musician and regularly leads our worship. He's a member of the ministry team here and responsible for our music and visual creative and is, of course, a youth worker at Rosebud Secondary College providing support to at-risk young people. Uh, Nate and his wife, uh, Lorna, lead our flourishing youth ministry, the tribe. And we're very uh, fortunate to have them as part of our family here and very much appreciate the wonderful uh, work that they do. Nate, I know, is passionate about sharing his faith and preaches this morning concluding our summer series of summer stories. So would you please uh, join me in welcoming Nate as our preacher here this morning. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. So um, I look a little bit like Justin Bieber or um, with my headset mic. It's very awkward and mostly really uncomfortable as well. So uh, I'm going to... I'm going to get started this morning talking about our Summer Story series. Um, what I do want to acknowledge is that uh, this morning I'm going to be sharing an Indigenous story. So for those of you that may be present here that um, are Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander, what I do want to let you know is there may be some names or images of people that are Indigenous and, so just, um, and that may not, no longer be present with us. I also just want to acknowledge that today is Australia Day and it is a very divisive day for some. And there's tensions in the water, but I want to let you know that I'm not going to be sharing my personal perspective. Um, but available in the foyer is Churches of Christ, the First People's Solidarity Statement, that if you do want to read a perspective um, from Churches of Christ, that is available. So, should we get started? Um, today, I'm going to share uh, about the story of Sir Doug Nichols. Um, the Age newspaper described him as Australia's Gandhi. And uh, this image here up the front is actually an image painted by Lorna's brother, um, Matt Adnate, and he's a sort of famous artist that travels all around the world. But he focuses specifically on indigenous, the Indigenous community of Australia and tries to highlight their story. So this um, picture of Sir Doug is painted in Shepparton, and you'll be actually, you can go and see it. And um, it's in recognition and honour of his story and, um, and the life that he's lived. So... He's not only significant in, um, in the church world or in Indigenous communities, he's actually recognised um, as a public figure in Australia. Doug was the sixth child of Herbert and Florence Nichols and was born on the Kurramagunja Mission um, in Australia. And that's along the Murray River in New South Wales and he was born in 1906. As an eight-year-old, Doug watched his 16-year-old sister being forcibly removed um, from the mission and from their family. And I think this was probably his first introduction to the stolen generation 
and I believe it probably sowed a seed for his activism later on in life. You can go to the next, next slide that shows an image of them on the Kurramagundra mission. I'm not sh- sure what year that, that photo's from. Um, but uh, Doug was only per- permitted a grade three education. So until about the age of 21, he wasn't able to read or write. Um, for work, he would collect tiger and brown snakes. That's not a job that I would want. Um, uh, certainly my wife wouldn't want that job either. She has got a severe phobia of, phobia of snakes. And, um, and he would only get one shilling or 10 cents per snake that he would collect. So there's at-risk pay for you. Um, some guys get uh, at-risk pay for standing and just watching people do work. This guy gets 10 cents per snake. In 1927, uh, Doug hitchhiked from the bush to Melbourne. And he slept rough in the Queen Victoria market, sleeping in fruit boxes. But amongst that sort of circumstance, he managed to talk his way into training with the Cartland Football Club. I don't know how he did that. Um, Who who knows? Uh, You probably couldn't do that today. You'd have to go through the draft. So, um, but after a little while of training with the Carlton Football Club, he was let go, and they said, "Sorry, we don't we don't want you on the team anymore." The players refused to train with him and and play alongside him, and the trainers also refused to rub him down after training or after matches, and that was all because he was Indigenous. Doug then moved to play for Northcote in the VFA. So in the off-season, Doug would travel with a boxing troupe, and then he also started uh, sprinting professionally as well. After a few years, he was then picked up by Fitzroy football club, which we now know them as the Brisbane Lions, and was the only player, uh, Indigenous player in the VFL at the time. In 1934, he was third in the Brownlow medal count, and the following year became the first Indigenous person to represent Victoria. But Doug was not just a great sportsman, He's a, he was also a passionate Christian. He was a member of the Northcote Church of Christ, and um, which then became Northern Church of Christ. And Lorna and I, uh, another connection to this story, Lorna and I actually attended Northern prior to coming here to Bayview, and their auditorium there at Northern is actually named in recognition of him. When his football career came to an end, he became an ordained Church of Christ minister. So he's taken the same journey that uh, Clint and I are trying to take at the moment of um, going through the process In 1943, he became the founding pastor of the first Aboriginal Church of Christ. Um, And when he planted that church, it was called the Fitzroy Church of Christ Aborigines Mission. As well as being a traditional church, the mission also became a place of welcome for Aboriginal people, assisting those who were homeless or in need of help. Doug was sent to fight in World War II, um, but whilst he was away... The Fitzroy police said, sorry, um, we don't want you fighting a battle. And uh, it was agreed between the Fitzroy police and the local Indigenous people that they successfully petitioned uh, Sir Doug to be returned from war um, to mediate some of the racial tensions um, that were going on at the time in the community. That's pretty unheard of at the time, of being recalled from war. Um, And so this just shows the significance of who this man is. Pastor Doug uh, Nichols increasingly became a political and social activist. In a well-known talk, he said, 
The skeleton in the cupboard of Australia's national life is its treatment of the Aborigines. We have not had a fair deal. It was bad enough for us to lose our country, but it is one of the saddest stories of modern times that we should have, be, that we should have become outcasts in our own land, with not even the rights and privileges that are extended to many aliens. We appeal for the right of education, for at least some of the rights of citizenship, for the chance to become useful citizens in the land that was ours by birth. So Doug helped set up the Aborigines Advancement League, which was the forerunner for ATSIC, which is the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Commission, and was one of the first campaigners for land rights and for citizenship, which was only recognised in 1967. So it's not all that long ago. For some of you, you may have been around when that occurred. But he was, both, he was popular with both Indigenous and white communities. And so because of this, he was named Victorian Father of the Year in 1962. And in 1972, he became the first Aboriginal person to be knighted. And in 1976, at the ripe old age of 70, he became the Governor of South Australia. In 1991, uh, the Canberra suburb of Nichols was named after him. And in 2000, 2016... The Sir Douglas Nichols Round, Indigenous Round, was um, acknowledged in his honour of his, of his sportsmanship. He, uh, in my opinion, but in also many other people's opinion, was one of the most important Australians of the 20th century. Sir Doug has had a string of significant accomplishments in sport, activism and the church. But he didn't achieve all of this on his own. Sir Doug's primary partner in life and ministry was his wife, Gladys. The third of six children, Gladys, like Doug, was also born on the Kurramagunja mission in 1906. She attended school at the mission, but left at a young age to work with her father. She lived on the mission until about 1939, and then there was a bit of a mass protest and a walkout at that time, and so... Uh, around the, the living conditions and the, and the unfair treatment of those living um, in, on the mission. And so that was her, her final year living there. After the death of her first husband, uh, Gladys and Doug were married in 1942 and began their ministry together. Gladys would teach Sunday school and Doug was the senior pastor of the church. And as, he, as Doug rose to prominence, Gladys provided invaluable support uh, as the bedrock of their family. They had six children together, um, and two of those children actually became uh, sort of quite significant in Aboriginal affairs. After World War II, Gladys organised um, annual balls. Um, she would sell, sell homemade goods at weekly street stalls and would open up a number of successful op shops. Um, she did all of this to raise money for the Indigenous community, for their well-being, and, um, and just also to improve their living conditions. Countless lives benefited as a result of her volunteer work. Gladys provided care and protection to many young people in addition to her own children. So I'd imagine having six kids and then trying to fill the house with a whole bunch of other people as well would be quite chaotic. And living in Fitzroy, I know we used to live in that area, the houses are not very big either. So to try and cram, so that you've got eight of their family and then add another however many, it would have been pretty tight. 
And so because of this, Gladys decided to open up, uh, with, alongside some other people, um, a, an Aboriginal home for hostel for, for girls that were looking for work in Melbourne. And, uh, and that was in 1956. They later renamed um, the, host, the hostel after her. When Doug established the Aborigines Advancement League, um, Gladys co-founded its Women's Auxiliary. And so she travelled around the state recruiting members. And um, the auxiliary's role was to try and sort of uh, get some funding to, uh, to support some Indigenous communities, but also to um, provide sort of school supplies, um, arrange hospital visits, and then also support for ex-prisoners. Gladys advocated raising the status of Indigenous Australians in wider society and was involved in several national bodies. Just like, um, just like Doug, she also was um, very passionate around the 1967 referendum. During the 70s, when her husband was knighted and later appointed Governor of South Australia, Lady Gladys performed her official duties with great skill and dignity. In 2008, she was inducted into the Victorian Honour Roll of Women. In 1981, um, Gladys passed away and was buried at Karamagunja Mission. And in 1988, um, Sir Doug also passed away and they were buried beside each other on, um, together on the mission. Uh, today, you could travel to Melbourne Parliament Gardens and you'd be able to see a statue of the two of them together. Uh, it's quite um, interesting. On a regular basis, people will actually put flowers in their hands. Um, and I just think it's so beautiful that the acknowledgement of who they are continues to this day, that people still acknowledge who they are. For me, the life of Sir Doug and Lady Gladys Nichols is inspiration inspirational. We can learn so much from their lives, from the adversity that they both faced, um, the achievements that they've made in sport and, and in their social activism work. But I just today want to highlight a couple of um, two, two points. The first, the first theme for me throughout their story is, is finding purpose. We've heard the adversity and the achievements of both Doug and Gladys. Their persistence when faced with challenges shows us that there is no obstacle that is too big for us to overcome. But it also shows how God has designed us for a purpose. That although we're faced with, um, with challenges in front of us, there's got to be more to that story than just the challenges that we see. Sometimes our purpose is birthed out of our circumstances and other times it stems from our passions. Though both Doug and Gladys experienced hardship throughout their life, they used their experiences as motivation to make changes in the world, not only for themselves but for generations to come. I think for me I've been fortunate enough that I can actually live out my passion and do that as a job and actually get paid for it. Uh, for some people, that's, they might never do that. Um, so I'm really fortunate. I get to work alongside some really challenging young people. And at times, you'd go, why the hell would you want to do something like this? Um, when you get abused, spat on, those sorts of things. But God has given me something with inside me that I just have to, have to do this. For some of us here today, like me, 
you've found what your passion is and your purpose is. And for others, you're on a journey towards finding what that might be for yourself. No matter what our position is, all parts of our lives are being used in God's broader story. Romans 8.28 says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. But this purpose isn't discovered on our own. And this leads me to my second theme of being in partnership. We need others in our lives supporting us and guiding us. And so those people might be your spouse, your family, your friends, mentors, or even maybe your church community here. We can see from the life of Sir Doug and Lady Gladys that they were able to achieve far more together than what they could when they were on their own. Like all partnerships, there are negotiations to be had, obstacles to overcome, and sacrifices to be made. In all teams and partnerships, there are specific roles or responsibilities. Now at home, don't ask me to do the finances or the budgeting, um, because it'll probably all go to music equipment, um, (laughs) and probably have a really good resale value, but I wouldn't sell it. Um, so, So in our house, Lorna is the budget person, uh, I don't know what my role is at home. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I work so that... Um, and so, and so we, we, we've got our roles. We've got our responsibilities at home. But all roles are required in order for us for things to operate. And they're all building towards a bigger purpose than our own. The same can be said for our church community. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 7 to 9 says, It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. If the music team want to jump up, Um, I hope today that the story of Sir Doug and Lady Gladys has uh, motivated you and inspired you. It has done so for me. I've spent hours and hours this week, uh, well, actually the last couple of weeks, just watching videos. There's um, quite a few videos online that you can see of their story. Uh, The AFL have put together a video, and and it's amazing just to hear the... The, the achievements that they've been able to make and the impact that they've had in their communities. I am reminded that throughout their story, that age and experience was no barrier to them. For some of you here today, you may feel you are too old or too young to fulfil your purpose. I would say to you that uh, your time isn't up. If you've still got air in your lungs, you can mentor, you can guide. But, but also, if you are young and you feel like your time is not about to start, get alongside people that may be able to guide you and fuel you and push you in a direction 
And we've got so many people here as part of Bayview that will happily put their hand up as mentors and guiders um, to steer you in directions. And I would say for the older generation, try and find some young people that you can mentor. You have um, gold wisdom that if we don't actually capture those things... Uh, our younger generation have a lot to learn, and you can see that in our in our world today. That there are there is um, the world is going into a bit of chaos, and we need we need the advice, but we also need grace. Um, we make some terrible decisions sometimes. So, um, and I think that that's really important as a community that we that we actually can achieve far more together than what we can than when, we're on, when we are on our own. Let's be a community here at Bayview that motivates and encourages one another to find their purpose on our own, for ourselves, but also as a church, that we're building towards God's bigger kingdom and we're finding his purpose and what he's called us to do. I'm going to finish... Um, our service with a benediction, and it's from Romans 15, verses 5 to 7. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus, the Anointed One. Then with a unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will bring God glory when you accept and welcome one another as partners. Just as the anointed one has fully accepted you and received you as his partner.